Welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Uh, joining me on the phone, it is outlaw country artist Danny Griego. And you're thinking, what is Danny Griego doing on Rock Talk? Well, listen, the uh, the world is sort of topsy-turvy, and I figured, why not sort of throw a little wrench into the whole Rock Talk thing? Uh, I will be taking a little break, like I've announced. Uh, not too long. I've got some shows planned for the end of May, and... You know, why not go out with a bang? So uh, we're going to talk with Danny, but Danny doesn't just talk country, country, country. We do start talking about uh, the Allman Brothers, and we talk about Tesla and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we also talk about Waylon Jennings, which is always very important. And uh, by the way, uh, Waylon Jennings has a uh, new DVD coming out on May 15th, 2020, called The Outlaw performance, which was recorded back in 1978, but uh, yeah, so do check that out, it's on Eagle Rock uh, Entertainment, so you can check that out or look it up, but uh, anyway, back to Danny, Danny is one of these up-and-coming outlaw country stars, and I've always sort of figured that country music, especially sort of the modern country, is really just Bon Jovi and Def Leppard with fiddles, if I can say that, and I know there's some diehard fans going, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, that's that's my perception of it. You know, I, I, for me, Keith Urban is basically John Bon Jovi with a couple more, with a little bit more twang in what he does. That's, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's the way I look at it. Anyway, uh, Danny Griego's, uh, like I said, the uh, single Inevitable is uh, uh, charting quite highly on uh, Billboard's adult contemporary charts. So we talk about that. We talk about the struggles of making it. We talk about family. We talk all kinds of great stuff. And I just thought it would be an interesting challenge to go out of my comfort zone because I am not a country fan. Not that I have anything against country. It's just that, you know, up living up here in in, in Canada and Montreal, the whole country thing uh, goes over our heads sometimes. And I'm a rock guy, so I don't look up albums by Keith Urban, though I did see a show of his a few years ago, and it was it was terrific. I mean, the energy was unbelievable. But that said, I'm a rock guy, and so when this was presented to me about, hey, do you want to interview this guy? I was like, hmm, all right, that could be a bit of a challenge. And in this, you know, covid 19 lockdown world, I figured, okay, I've got time to research. I've got time to sit around and figure out who this guy is and make a compelling interview. And so I did. And as a listener, uh, I can tell you, you know, don't expect me to change the whole show and do Outlaw Country from now on. That's, that, that's not going to happen. But I think every so often a curveball can be interesting. And well, certainly interesting for me in the sense that it has to sharpen my skills. You know, at some point, it's real easy to interview Poison and Warrant and Def Leppard. And, you know, they all sort of have this a similar story and they all sort of, you know, move around in a similar shark pool, if you want. Uh, this is definitely on the outside. So well, give it a listen. I, I do think he's an exceptionally nice guy. This this Danny Griego was just so kind, so thoughtful, and he's a hard-working schmo, you know, like most of us. 
And I think with that kind of pedigree, there's a simpatico that, that can go on, you know, hard work and schmo versus hard work and schmo. That's me and him that I'm describing right there. So uh, here we are. Without further ado, it is inevitable that we listen to this interview with outlaw country artist Danny Griego. We are speaking with uh, outlaw country superstar Danny Griego. And I know some of you are thinking, well, what is Danny doing on a rock show? Well, folks, you're going to find out. Uh, as we say in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Danny. How are you? Bonjour. I'd like a dozen Timbits with a grande double-double. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Uh, there is a Tim Hortons not too far from me. We should uh, we should head over. It's 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 quality quality food. But uh, just uh, wanted to congratulate you on your song "Inevitable." It is in uh, Billboard's or on Billboard's Hot AC charts at number twenty five as we speak. Probably going to be up to number ten by the time I air this next week. Um, congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. A lot of work. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to get in all... A lot of God's grace. Oh, absolutely. So we're going to get into all of that, but uh, let me just start off with, with Billboard charts, because when you look at the charts and you look what it's been doing to rock music recently, there's not a lot of on it, but how important is it for an artist to be on a Billboard chart? Well, there's really only two charts that anybody takes seriously, from what I understand. That's Billboard and Media Base. So I think it's kind of a credibility issue because it's some kind of a, you know, a mark, uh, a line that you achieve. And, you know, at least you're, you know, I'm, as they say, I'm running with the big dogs up there. I'm the only person on that chart you haven't heard of. Well, we're, we're going to change that and, and we're going to introduce you to a whole new uh, rock base. Now, the one thing that we spoke about uh, before we hit record was how inevitable in a, in a sense, tips the hat to Tom Petty. Talk to me a little bit about that, and and what was it about Tom Petty that interested you? Wow, Tom Petty. I mean, what an unsung hero, you know. Talk about a guy that just did it his way, and I think that's what I respected, you know. Um, one of my big heroes is Waylon Jennings, which I'd like to talk to you about later on, but uh, Waylon said there's always one more way to do things, and that's your way, and that's what Tom Petty did, you know, and... Um, I was working on Inevitable when he passed away, and uh, th that song was just totally a Tom Petty vibe, and uh, I was just kind of, I wish I would have been able to get it out on the charts sooner, you know, it would have been nice to be able to say, hey, my the hero on this song is Tom Petty, well, he was still hanging out here, you know. Yeah, that would be great. So, talk to me a little bit about how outlaw music and rock music really aren't that different. Because, you, you know, you look at some of the bands uh, that I grew up on, including Bon Jovi, who's gone out and done uh, rock records. And then you look at Keith Urban. And Keith Urban, quite frankly, is Bon Jovi, but with a couple of fiddles put in. Um, talk to me about yeah. how that music sure. is not... It really is. I mean, I was watching some Keith Urban last night. It happened to tr come on TV, uh, you know, and I, and I started watching it. And I'm going... That's basically a Def Leppard song, but with some fiddle in it. Like, what? How is this? Yeah. How is this very different? So, talk to me about how the 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 genres really aren't that different, and how do you approach music making? Well, back in the day, you know, um, I, I guess I'll regress a little bit. When I started listening to music and cutting my teeth on everything, I started with. I went way back. I started listening to my heroes' heroes. So I was listening to Jimmy Rogers. 
and Lefty Frizzell and Hank Sr. And they were listening to the blues men of the Delta Blues. And that's why they're not so different. So when Hank Sr. came out, he really touched the vein with the working class because he was that working class kind of hero guy. But his influences, in fact, his influence was from a guy named T-Tot. He was a black blues player. And so just like rock and roll, our roots come from the same place. They come from those Delta Blues players. And that's American. That's an American Americana movement thing. So... Like I just, uh, I did the last duet in the can with, with my hero Waylon Jennings, and the song is called "At the Crossroads," and we're planning on coming out with it in July, and that song is about not selling your soul to the devil. And we went down, it's about an offer that I had a long time ago, but we went down to the Delta Blues to Mississippi and shot that thing, and uh, got to see where it all came from right there at the crossroads where uh, Muddy Waters lived. Yeah, oh, Muddy Waters. There you go. Now, sorry. So let's talk to me about Waylon Jennings. I mean, even as a as a rock fan or a pop fan, there are some bands or some names that just sort of cross all the borders and all the genres. And you, you know, you can be a, a Metallica fan, but you'll have heard of Dolly Parton. You, you know, you can be a Bon Jovi fan, and you'll hear about Willie Nelson. And and Waylon Jennings is one of those guys that just. It's just bigger than, than a music scene. Talk to me about working with him and, and, and that single that you're putting out. Yeah, bigger than life. Well, man, I was writing with Hank Cochran at the time and in Red Lane and Max D. Barnes, big heroes. And uh, one day, I, you know, when I first got to Nashville, I put down a demo tape. They had me, Richie Albright, well, I had a, I had a deal on, with Giant, okay? And it was on the table. And the attorney asked me, is there anybody else that you have any interviews with? And I said, yeah, I'm supposed to meet with a cat named Richie Albright. He goes, Richie Albright, man, can this meeting be over? And he told me about Richie. And he told me, you know, Richie is the real deal. He won't catch you up in this whole grind that's the Nashville cookie cutter thing. If you work with him, you'll be doing real stuff. And uh, I went and met with him, and Richie put me in a booth right off the bat, man. He picked me up in an old beat-up Ford pickup truck and took me to a George Clinton studio of all places. And they stuck me in a booth. And the first song I laid down was the thing I wrote about that deal called at the crossroads. And months later, Waylon Jennings was listening to a demo tape that Richie had pitched him on another artist to see if he wanted to cut it. And he didn't like the song. And then, and then about 30 days or so later, the tape flipped over in his DeVille and that eerie lick came on with at the crossroads and he listened to it, turned it up, and then he ejected the tape and looked at it, and he called Richie and said, Richie, who's on this tape? And he said, what tape, Waylon? You know, the tape you gave me. And he said, what's the name of the song? And he said, it's uh, at the crossroads. And he said, that's that kid I told you about, Griego. And he said, don't you tell him that I'm going to go in there and cut that song with him. And so, uh, you know, when you, when you look at the Waylon Jennings thing, he was caught in the Nashville grind, cookie-cutter thing. You know, Chet Atkins, great producer, but just stamping out songs, just like whatever works, Nashville runs to. That's what they go to. So right now it's really, really pop, and it's got a lot of R&B influence in it, rap. And uh, at the time, it was really, really pop, and Waylon had just, he, he reached out to RCA for an advance, and they turned him down, and he was in the hospital. He wasn't doing good. He was going to hang it up. And Richie Albright walked in the door and he said, 
Hoss, there's one more way to do it, and it's called rock and roll. That's great. And of course, now now this is drummer Richie Albright, right? We're talking about Waylon's guy? Yes. Oh, that yes, is, sir, yeah. That is a, he is one of the, well, I... I guess in the rock world, he, he's sort of the, one of the unsung heroes, but in the country world, he, he's definitely a country hero. He, he really sort of shaped the sound that Wailing had, right? Wailing had, I should say. Oh, yeah. And you know who his big influence was? No. LaVon Helm. Ooh, there. Look at that. These are some classic names. See, see, people always say that music is so different and these genres are so different, but you know what? Ultimately, a great player is a great player is a great player. Um... Let me let me just get away from from him for a second and and get to your uh, album from a couple of years back, Cowboys, Outlaws, and Border Town Dogs. Um, talk to me a little bit about what goes into writing a song for you, because as you listen to this album, which I have, it it almost reads like a like like a diary put to music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. That was a tough time in my life. I'd hit rock bottom and. Uh, uh, buddy of mine called me up and uh actually the guy that introduced me to billy joe shaver um actually Waylon introduced me to billy joe shaver but this guy nels nemola nemola he we were going to a Waylon thing out out in uh leapers fork tennessee and he put me in the in his cadillac with billy joe and billy joe you know we were riding home from the deal and Billy Joe and I have been hanging out with Reggie Young, another rock icon from the Memphis blues scene that has been on like 68 of my cuts. I've just been surrounded by my heroes for a long time. So I was rolling home with Billy Joe Shaver and he turns around and he goes, Hey man, uh, Nels tells me you're a pretty good songwriter. And he grabbed this little Martin guitar from the front, one of those three quarter size and hands it back through the backseat. And he goes, play me some. So I'm like, wow. Here I've, I've got to play something to Billy Joe Shaver. So I played this song I wrote with Red Lane called Feeling Like a Three-Legged Border Town Mexican Dog. And Red and I wrote that down in Mexico. I got a place down there. And Billy Joe said, man, that's a, that song's a hit. And he said, would you mind if I cut that song? And I'm like, you know, that's like God's right hand asking if you can cut something. I'm like, you can do anything you want. And then I got back to him about a month later and, and said, uh, man, could I cut it with you? Could we do a duet on it? And I'd be honored. And he said, absolutely. So actually, we're re-releasing that song right now as we speak in Texas. We're going after Texas country with it. Oh, really? All right. On but, the outlaw side. But, but I, I got to ask you this, because there's one song on there that is just an absolute classic for, for every reason. The, the right ones and the wrong ones. It's perfect. It's called I Think She Only Likes Me For My Willie. Now that, just, just saying it for crying out loud, puts a smile on my face. And if you go to YouTube, there's all kinds of different videos and stuff. Come on, t- talk to me about that one. That, that is a great song. And, and it, it, anyway, just, just tell me the story about I Think She Only Likes Me For My Willie. Man, that was written by uh, Paul Overstreet, who just written some wonderful, wonderful songs, big George Strait cuts. Um, Let me tell you a secret about our father's love, you know, so don't get all judgmental on Paul Overstreet for this song, man, because he's working for the man. Okay. So anyway, he wrote that with Roy Lafitte and I was working with another artist who co-produced my um, top 10 billboard hit. The coast is clear that it was when number nine on billboard, his name's Scotty Emmerich and he's written half of Toby Keith's career 
And, uh, man, I had this song that Scotty had that I just think is a smash hit. And uh, I don't even want to tell you the name of it because I still want to cut it. And uh, and I, I was getting ready to cut it. We were going in the studio the next day, so I was making up one of my infamous big pots of New Mexico green chili pork with real New Mexico hash chili in it. And Scotty called. I pick up the phone. Scotty, what's going on, man? And he's like, Danny, I got bad news. Like, what? He said, uh, you know, the song, you can't cut it. Billy Currington cut it, and he's releasing it on his next album. I'm like, you're kidding me, man. So it's the night before we're tracking. And uh, and he said, you know, I wrote this thing with Dylan, Dean Dylan, and uh, can I send it to you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So he sent over this song called If I Had a Beer, and and I did I did track that I cut it and uh, I was I always like to listen to the songwriters how they do it because when you get handed a song I write a lot of songs and and Hank Cochran and Red Lane told taught me that that first form that you get on the song that purity is that's the creativity and don't let that don't get away from that when you're producing it don't overproduce it always refer back to your reference tapes put it down on tape and listen to it be disciplined and stay with it because that little bit of creativity is what makes it different from everything else it's given to you. it's a gift so i was listening to scotty's version of um if i had a beer and the next song on youtube was a songwriter session that scotty did and with uh with paul overstreet and paul played I think she only likes me for my willy. And I heard that song and it just absolutely knocked me down. I said, well, sh there's the hit song right there, man. If there ain't an outlaw country hit, that's a hit song. And so um, I cut it. I tracked it. And lo and behold, it's been really the biggest song I've had on the SM Series 60. And thank God they played it. And uh, hugely appreciative to them for spinning that song. Oh, I got to tell you, it's, it's the greatest song ever. Um before we started recording, you, you did mention the Allman Brothers, and, and for fans that listen to me, you know that I, I talk a lot about this band called Tesla. Uh, do you know Tesla, by the way? You must have heard of them yeah, somewhere. Absolutely. Now, the, the guitarist in Tesla, Frank Hannon, just one of the greatest guitarists ever, is actually married to Chrissy, uh, the daughter of Dickie Betts. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> See? I can connect anything here now of the Allman Brothers. So, so you had a connection to the Allman Brothers as well. Uh, what's sort of your six degree separation to that band? Well, Dickie Beth said the best lead player they ever had in the Allman Brothers was a cat named Jack Pearson. He's a blues man. Jack is incredible. And uh, when we were cutting this thing, uh, you know, give it to me straight. And we, we did this, uh, I cut a, a Dylan song um, called Everything is Broken and did a blues version on it. And I did a thing called When It All Goes South. And, and of course, the, the Tom Petty thing, Inevitable. And when I tracked those things, I wanted that blues cat on this album. So I called up Jack Pearson. I always track on two-inch tape format. I'm still stuck in the 60s, man. We use those microphones and the old Neumann 47s and 49s, and we track on two-inch tape. You know, we, we're, we're, not, we're not doing the Pro Tools thing. It's, it's kind of a... What you hear is what you get more thing, you know. We're tracking old school with the whole band in the room, just like they did in the 60s. So it's more expensive to do it that way, but I think it's real. And two-inch tape is real. It's a real recording. It's not X's and O's that are translation. So anyway, I'm off on a tangent. But um, we we had uh, Jack Pearson in there tracking with us, and, and the guy is just an 
absolute virtuoso rock and roll and blues monster. And, you know, he did every song we lay down. He did it in one take. He didn't need, he didn't fix anything. The guy's amazing. Wow. Well, okay. Let me just quickly ask you, since you brought up the two inch tape, because that really is uh old school. Do you then, how, how can I put it? Do you put the songs to tape sort of live on the floor? Because editing that stuff is a pain in the tuchus. You know, well, how, yeah, we transfer to Pro Tools. So we, we record, we go down on two inch and we do everything on two inch. And I do my vocals on two inch and, and then we go and do our mix in Pro Tools. Okay, so that 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 makes it that makes it a lot easier to work with because uh, to to think of somebody with a razor blade and you know tape in twenty twenty, you're like, oh wow, that's that is going old school. But all right, there you go. Um, just real quick. Well, there's a, there's an album that I did called Destination a few years back. It really wasn't that long ago, and that song was all done on two inch. The whole thing, the whole project. There's an artist named. Greg Kane, he was running sound for Waylon Jennings, and he recorded that thing on two inch and literally pulled out the razor blade when we needed edits and, and you know, did it old school. It was really interesting to, you know, to watch him because not many people even know how to work in that medium anymore at all. No, it's, it's, Back it's a lot. Project, I bought a two inch machine because they wanted so much money to rent one. I went out and bought one, refurbished it, and it was a fraction of the cost. Wow, I can imagine. And and believe it or not, by the way, Destination is already 13 years old. Came out in two, 2007. So, yeah. um, and um there's so one of the one of the songs on my album is called Lightning Wheels and it says time is a train on lightning wheels. Boy, if that intro, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, but I will I will uh, I will finish with this cuz uh, of course we do know that in- Inevitable is uh, is out now and charting. And um, the uh, duet with Waylon Jennings at the Crossroads comes out later in June. But for rock bands, uh, part of what they have to do these days is they can't rely on radio. They can't rely on, uh, you know, they, they have to rely on touring and getting out there and getting in front of people. How, how important is it for you to get out there and tour and be on the road and, and show people, hey, look at these songs. Let me play Inevitable for you live. And, of course, how difficult is it for you now that you just can't step out the door because we're all locked down? Well, you know, I like when the coast is clear, when Billboard Top 10, <clears throat> I was on the road 278 days. I've got a, a 54-foot Peterbilt stretch truck that's turned into a coach. And... uh I was on that coach 278 days when that that record went north. And when things get hot and we're up and running, I pretty much live out there, man. I live out there on the road. I, you know, we have production trucks and we're dragging our equipment with us everywhere. And sometimes we're doing NHRA shows on tour. And, but it's extremely important. You got to get, especially in Texas, man, you know, it's still, the fan base is still pretty old school out there and they like to go to the shows and, they they like to have the interna- interactions with the artists and it's it's all a real thing. So this lockdown has just killed us. I've had 15 shows shut down, which is probably a lot less than a lot of artists, you know. But th- you know that was my bread and butter coming into the bread and butter shows and, and you know the big shows like South by Southwest and some of the bigger things that we do and some dates in California and dates in Texas and Arizona and everything just got shut down. So. That's where it is now. It's it's pretty pretty tough. It's 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 a it's a 
tough, tough market. And one of the problems is that when all this stuff goes away, and it, and it, it will, you know, we're not going to be in lockdown for 30 years. The problem is, are, are fans going to come back right away? There's a lot of folks that are unemployed and won't be able to afford entertainment, whether it's a baseball game, a, a football game, or a, a Danny Griego concert. And, and then a lot of the venues, the smaller venues, they might not weather this storm and they might not reopen. So it's just going to be very, very weird when when we get going again, you know? It is a scary deal, you know. I, I think that everybody out there, you know, I know that there's guys that are into, into survival and I guess I'm one of them. You know, I, I hunt for my food and catch my food and, and that kind of thing. But we really need to be out there helping each other and have, yes, have a spirit of survival but don't give it up at the expense of the spirit of giving. I think we need to support each other and use common sense that the Lord gave you and don't be wasteful and conserve your resources. You know, there's like all my band members are out of work right now, you know, and, and the people that I employ and, you know, we're small businessmen and think about just the thousands of small businessmen across the world that are just shut down that might not even get up going again. This thing is, really really hurt our economy and uh you know i think there's i kind of love the above the standpoint that there's uh we shouldn't shut down the whole economy there's other things that are just as dangerous out there and i understand being safe and washing your hands and everything like that but i i think it's gone a little bit awry i, I think uh i'm kind of um really worried that we you know we can recover from the virus but recovering from the economic collapses could be far more serious. Yeah, that that is going to be something to, uh, that's going to be a tough one, you know, because we always talk about the deficit, the deficit, the deficit. And in Canada and in the States, I mean, we've added, we've added billions over here. You've added trillions. You know, at, at what point does it just break the camel's back? And it's, it's, anyway, who knows, right? It's, it's going to be a tough one. But uh, on that, Danny, just wanted to say thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. And this was interesting for me because, like I said, I'm I'm a rock guy. So to uh, stretch out and, and get a different perspective was absolutely fascinating for me. Merci beaucoup, as we say in Montreal. Thank you very much. you got to look up one of the players on the album. His name is Eddie Bayers. And the guy's one of the most recorded drummers in, in history. And... Boy, he has just been on a ton of rock albums. And just like uh, another guy that I recorded with all the time, we just lost him last year, Reggie Young. So they, there's really a lot of crossover there. You know, there's some rock guys on my album. You know, Bobby Terry plays on a lot of rock and roll stuff. Mike, Mike Rojas, um, Kevin Grant, he's a blues man that's played on just hundreds of gold records. Um, but, yeah, just like you said, there's there's a lot of crossover because good music is good music no matter what genre it's in. Yeah, and talent is talent. And just real quick, what, what are some of uh, what are some of the albums that they've played on that 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 I might know of? Give me give me a couple of albums if you have any or 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 maybe not albums, oh, man, maybe like, some of the artists. What are some of the artists they've played with that would be rock? Gosh, like uh Reggie Young, he goes all the way back to the he's on Beatles albums. Oh wow. Neil Diamond. Oh wow. Waylon Jennings. He was the lead guitar player in the Highwayman. You know that that Highwayman doodle 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 You know that's Reggie Young. Oh yeah. Um oh okay, um, Mar Marshall Tucker band. Uh can't you see? That's Reggie playing the lead track on that on the studio cut. Oh wow. Um, and, and the drummer. But, you know, who 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 has the drummer played with? Oh. Good lord, Eddie Bears has been on 
everything you think of it from just like, here's a little story. I was in the studio with him and we were cutting a thing called Wild and Lonely. You can watch on YouTube. And I released it in December. I think it's like in 180,000 hits now. And the bass player was saying, Hey man, we can't have this thing that slow. You need to go into double time. And I said, I, I don't want to go into double time until a certain place on this record. It's kind of like, I said, Eddie, it's kind of like uh, that Dan Seals song, Everything That Glitters Isn't Gold. Do you know which which one I'm talking about? I can, I can pull it up for you. And he goes, <laughs> I played on it. <laughs> but um, now, 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 is this okay? So I'm looking at Eddie Bears here, and I, I see that he's done uh, Dolly Parton and Kenny Chesney and Aaron Neville, but he's also done Bob Seger, uh, Peter Cetera, Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. So this is the same guy we're talking about. Same guy. He's yeah. He's uh, Elton John. You know, he cut his teeth in Memphis. Yeah. Oh, look at this! Look at this! Uh, I mean, he's done. He's done Richard Marks, who's who's, I guess, more pop. I, I would think, but uh, I mean, uh, Bob Seger. That's that is definitely cool to be on a Bob Seger record. Uh, Kenny Rogers. He's yeah, done. what a hero! Yeah, look at that. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, may Kenny Rogers uh, rest in peace. We we love Kenny. Wow, that's a uh, the man. That's a uh, How'd you, how'd you hook up with, uh, with Eddie Bears then? You know, I've been very blessed with the guys I'm working with. Waylon put me under his wing and, and put me in, the, in that circle with, with the Reggie Youngs. And, you know, you dance with the one who brought you. Like, R Richie Albright produced my first album, and he just produced this, this album that I just cut, too. We just did a double LP. So we did an album that's, that's uh, I don't want to tell you the name of that album yet, but the other album is called When It All Goes South. There's two albums coming out, and those two records will be released on one LP that you'll be able to get, um, an actual vinyl LP that'll be a double album. And anyway, um, those those great players, you know, I've learned, you know, it's kind of like cooking. You have certain ingredients for certain foods that you want to cook, and and uh, you have the, the the core and that you use that are staples and. Man, Eddie Bears is good on everything. It doesn't matter if you're doing blues or rock and roll or traditional country or pop country. That guy's just got it down, man. And he's a monster percussionist too. Um, he so, is. You know, I had him do. I had him put in timbales and you know conga and other things too. I didn't even know he played that stuff. And and I was asking him, Hey, man, do you know a good conga player I can bring in on this record? And he goes, Uh, why don't you hire me? <laughs> wow. And so, and here's a good um, one for Reddy, for Reggie Young. Uh, I'm I'm learning this now as we go along, but he played on everybody's favorite song, "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond. How's yeah, that? The, Neil Diamond, man. How's that, Caroline? If you played, a, I mean, you you go to almost any arena or football stadium, especially in, yeah. in Massachusetts. At some point, somebody's playing "Sweet Caroline," and your guy that played guy on it. That guy was a big influence on me too. I learned how. When I was learning how to finger pick, I, I got struck by lightning and it paralyzed my right arm. And I learned how to finger pick to rehab that. And when I was learning how to do that, I was listening to a lot of Neil Diamond stuff like Play Me, you know, to learn how he was doing that picking. And I was listening to folk, folk singers, you know, but Neil Diamond was an influence on me as well. Wow. Well, there you go. I, I will leave it on Neil Diamond. You, you ain't going to get, we ain't going to top Neil Diamond. That is, that is some classic <laughs> rock right there. Uh, thank Rock you, sir. Merci beaucoup. We'll we'll do this again soon. I really appreciate being on your show. Thank you for having me, and bonjour. Bonjour.
This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.